This afternoon, uh, we're going to continue with this idea of how do we actually deliver research results um, and communicate them in a way that's engaging, that really uh, communicates what's been learned. Um, very happy to have uh, Carla Sali join us this afternoon. Um, Carla's going to talk to us about the use of infographics in delivering research results in a way that can really um, communicate well. Um, please join me in welcoming Carla to the stage. Thank you. Good afternoon. I uh, hope you had a great lunch, that you're not too nappy and you find this interesting. Um, so it's a pleasure to be here. And as an experienced designer with a strong focus on, on research, I had had the opportunity to work on many research reports throughout my career. Reports seem to be the topic of the day. Um, so I'm also an infographic enthusiast and, and researcher and I always try to bring some infographic components into, into my, my reports and so yeah hopefully uh, I'm honored to, to share my experience and what I've learned across these along these years and what I'm going to be talking about today is uh, I want to delve into how to use infographics resources not uh, to present research results which I believe it's very important when fast-paced environments of work and a very short attention span um, demand um, require shorter formats and, and information that can be digested quickly um, so my hope is that by the end of, of this talk, you, you will walk away with some insights and, and some elements and not daunted by the, the fact of, uh, of for, for infographics. It's something that if you have all played Pictionary in your life, I think, and you know how to um, conceptualize ideas, uh, everyone can, can do an in, in infographic. So, um, let's start by checking what we're going to be doing today. So I'll give a, a brief, uh, uh, I'll talk about a bit about myself, I'll mention my journey and how I got into, into this topic and why I think it is necessary. Um, I will provide a definition then of infographics. It's, it's a concept um, of which there are different versions and everyone has their own idea. So I would like to provide a definition that we're going to be using during this, um, this talk. Um, I will talk about infographics in the specific context of a research results report because context is important and we know that uh, that can change the, 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 the narrative. And I'll talk about the traditional parts that a research report has and which parts are more infographicable, if I can um, yeah, uh, invent a term, and which aren't. And I'll finally end up uh, giving some, some tips or considerations that you should have in mind where, when making a presentation uh, with, a more, with an infographic flavor. Um, so a bit about me, right? So I studied graphic design at the University of Buenos Aires, which is where I'm originally from. Uh, I was a teacher for 10 years in the courses of communication and typography. And I have completed a master's degree in communication design at the same university and guess my thesis themes was um, 
infographics and particularly how um, Clarín newspaper, which is one of the major newspaper in the Spanish-speaking world, uh, incorporated uh, infographics during the 90s and, and innovated in, in, in the language of, of infographics. So um, since 2015, I have been working as an experienced uh, designer consultant and hence have since then been presenting results in the way of, of reports. <laughs> so, um, and currently, I'm a lead experience designer at Bound and Agency, and I'm working on client side at, at AGL. Um, so why this talk, right? So I mentioned earlier like the need um, of, for, for formats that are easy to absorb, and infographics allow for generating an engaging narrative when, while presenting large amounts of, of information. Um, now, several uh, resources are available uh, as templates online. We might all have seen uh, ads uh, encouraging us to download and pay for, for many, many resources that will help us make those presentations more engagements. However, um, there is not much insight into how and when to use them. So I, my, I, my objectives are for today is to equip you with some elements for, for you to understand which infographic components are most appropriate for certain information type, types typically found in research reports, in qualitative research reports. I'm not going to go into quantitative, and I'll explain why. And keep the research report coherent and cohesive throughout consecutive slides. So let's talk about infographics, right? What is an infographic? So this is the definition that I, I use in, in my thesis, and it is, of course, a synthesis of different authors who have conceptualized infographics, most, most of them coming from the journalistic uh, field. Um, so despite the uh, originating in, in, in this field, the definition is still helpful because infographics transcend that field of application. So I'm going to define it as a self-sufficient discurs discursive form that combines various codes when transmitting information and has a specific narrative uses. Now let's, let's look at these three points in detail, right? Self-sufficient discursive form. It means that it is uh, the infographics have the ability of communicate something just by itself, that it's not relying on the text. And let's think about the, def um, the context in which these definitions come from. We're talking about a newspaper where infographics is presented along and next to the text. So infographic tells a story by itself. It doesn't, the, the reader shouldn't need to, um, to read the text around to understand what that infographic is doing there. Similarly, in the reports, we have this independent infographic. It is more, it's a bit more reliant on the, on the, on the text. We'll see why. But uh, still, an infographic is something that stands by itself, communicates by itself. Now, it's a combination of codes, right, of two codes, verbal and iconic. And when I say iconic, I mean all that that is have some um, that it's nonverbal photographics, illustrations, diagrams, everything that doesn't fall into the um, linguistic domain, um, and it has a specific narrative uses. And by this, when it is, is it appropriate to use an infographic? Well, there are cases for which words are 
better than infographics. But in some cases, things are really complicated and infographics can shed light on aspects of a phenomenon. And that's where when something is, can be too complicated to tell with words or it cannot really give us a, a proper idea uh, of it, an infographic may be a good, um, a good narrative form. Now, if we search on Google what an infographic is, we will get results that cannot be considered infographics on, uh, under the definition we, we have just provided. So let's see some of the, of the results we have, right? Like we got infographics and we get this. We get bar graphs, cakes, fevers, and why, why does this show up? What does this have in common with an infographic? Well, clearly, there is an iconic part in, in, in each of these graphs that is um, telling information that cannot be told by, by the text, right? If we see a pie chart can let us understand the proportional relationships between the parts that comprise a whole. Um, a bar graph allows us to compare an element, right, or different elements from different categories. And uh, a line chart allows us to see the changes of that one single element over time. And it is true that re representing data this way can really help us uncover relationships that we wouldn't be able to uncover by um, if this was just a table. Um, however, this bar graphs, um, sorry, this, this information graphs um, are only useful to represent numerical data, right? And we know that when we're dealing with qualitative um, research, um, quantitative can be a part, but we have a different material that we need to translate into, into visual. And there is no stor story being told. In, in any case, these, are, these, these graphs can show uh, are parts of a story, but they cannot tell it all. Um, so we have maps as well, right? Like we get infographics and we have a map. A map is a map, is a depiction and right? emphasizing uh, relationships between elements of, of some space. And yeah, it is good to, um, to, to understand the spatial relationships, but that's it. What if, if for a map to tell a story, it requires other elements, uh, other variables supporting um, that. And the other um, result we can get is, is this illustration and uh, text. Now, yeah, these are combining two codes. We have verbs, we, but sorry, we have verbal um, language, we have a more, we have illustrations. However, these communications are relying heavily on text. I don't know what does that that girl with the bubble speech. I don't know what what that is conveying. Practice self awareness consistently. What does that girl that illustration is, is that adding some information? She couldn't be there. Any all these um, all these illustrations. If we take them off, like we get the message the same, right? So. Another interesting thing, it's like information have been uh, visually presented in these ways for, for a long time, right? This is, this is not new. So if we see this is uh, an information graph, like an, 
an old one. This is from the eight, 18th century. So new ways of representing data accompanied the appearance of, of statistics as a science. And William Playfer is considered to be the inventor of, 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 the, of, the bar, of the bar graphs, the linear graphs, and other kinds of graphs. So uh, this is not new. And maps, we don't need to say that different civilizations across different parts of history, different times in history, have been using maps as a way to represent and understand uh, uh, how, what the world looks like. Right? And if we go to illustration and text, we have been doing this for a long, long time. Right? Illuminated manuscripts not only feature ornaments and decorations, but also present illustrations that um, illustrate parts of, of that text. Right? So why, why, why do we get those results? It's just that all these, these um, information graphs belonging to statistics, maps that belong to cartography, illustration, and text that in its most um, elaborated version, scientific illustration, are tributaries of, uh, of infographics, right? So um, it is hard to establish when, when did infographics uh, when, did, when did they born? What, what's the date of birth of infographics? We cannot really tell, but we can certainly trace, uh, trace back these um, as their components. So sometimes what is a component, it's mistaken as the, the whole thing. Now, this is considered to be the first infographic, or one of, one of the first, right? Um, and it's titled Figurative Map of Losses in Troops of the French Army in the Russian Campaign, 1812-1813. So it's a graphic representation published in 1869 about um, the campaign that uh, Napoleon undertook in 1812 uh, to Russia. And it was done by Joseph Minard, who was no, no in graphics, but it was a pioneer in using graphics applied to civil engineering and statistics. So I would like to, to stop on this because, uh, or let, let's take a look at this in more detail because what this is, is doing, it's presenting um, different variables in an image and it's telling a story, right? We have the flux diagram that is showing the army casualties during advance and retreat. We have the stroke weight represents the number of soldiers of, of that army. We can see the different color strokes represent the advance and the retreat. We have also a map showing the location and the route of the army. Now, the map is not is spiritually there, right? We don't see it in the background, but the city's name, the, the city's names are located um, geographically, uh, according to their geographic position. So there is a map. And we have the line graph down below showing uh, the changes in, in the temperature during the retreat, which was um, uh, immense, immensely influenced the, the losses. So this is um, telling a story. And, and two reflections here. Um, so, well, these are already explained these, but not only data is visually representable, right? So here with this example, we're seeing that infographics can explain uh, a historical event, and the information indeed contains data, but it, it is there to tell a story 
a story that could have been told as in a different way, uh, as, a, as a short tale, for example, right? Or the disastrous uh, campaign of Napoleon, and they were advancing little by little, but the terrible temperatures um, decimated the number of soldiers, right? But then we, we have this story presented in, in, in a different way. Um, and visual representation is equally applicable to literature and movies. And I think there is a tendency now to believe that only data is um, visually representable, but because we're experiencing a boom in data and large amounts of information, and there is such a thing of called data visualization, but that is not what, it's a part of infographics, but it, it's not what infographics it's all about. So for example, we have here Inception, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with this movie by Christopher Nolan. So we can tell how a movie here is conceptualized um, in this infographic that shows the different levels of reality and dreams uh, uh, until we, we get limbo as well. We also have, it's showing us which characters venture in each one of those levels of, of reality. And we can see how time is perceived differently. We can see that it re, re, the time in reality, that it's that, that arch, right? The, the time in reality is very, it's very short and how it expands in, in the limbo. So this is a movie and we are seeing parts of the movie. We are understanding this movie through an infographic. Another example I have, this is um, a column, um, it's called Graphic Literature by Francesco Franchi, which is a, um, a great and excellent uh, infographist in uh, an Italian one. And I want to describe in words of the author what, what he tries to do here, right? Um, Literatura Grafica is an attempt to translate some pieces of literature classics non-linearly through two-dimensional graphics and maps. The goal is to produce synoptic maps that allow the relationships uh, between the elements of literary narrative to be seen, and specifically to show complex relationships in a more easily understood way using linear forms. And he, here he is showing aspects, or highlighting aspects of Plon Ukbar Orbis Intertius, which is uh, a short tale by Jorge Luis Borges, an Argentinian um, writer. So the other, um, the other uh, takeaway is that infographics as a narrative, as every narrative form, have specific characteristics. Um, it has, we've seen this, components of different uh, nature that come together in a context to tell a story, and each component is appropriate for its narrative purpose. We could see in the Minard's example that the best way to present changes in temperature is um, a line graph, right? But the best way to present the variation in the number of soldiers, it's a flux diagram. Um, and of course, to present geographical um, elements, right, cities in this case, we, we have a map, a virtual map there. Um, there's a clear, in every, every infographic has a clear information hierarchy and it supports various reading levels, but there's always an entry point, right? In the case of Minard, we have that big uh, flux diagram. That was clearly the first thing the eye will be drawn to will be that flux. And infographics uh, are holistic, are understood at a glance, right? They, they are 
happen in one single space. Now, um, infographics in the context of research results. I have to say that one of the most typical outcomes of design research is an infographic. I'm sure, who, who wants to guess which one? No? A journey map, right. This is an infographic, yeah? This is an infographic I, I designed to show the results of a qualitative and quantitative study of the experience uh, in, of insurance company customers. Now, I have to say the narrative operation that I applied here is no different from what Minard did in 1869. Yeah? We have here, we're showing the path, not of an army, but of an insurance company customers that are experiencing different, different paths and that have pain points and emotions that have been quantified and we have done this to try to explain how those, those pain points and emotions um, affect the, 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 the path, right? Um, now, we take a look at this, we think uh, what Robert was saying in the previous um, chat, is this valuable, is this doable? If we think of fast-paced environments, if we think that sometimes we need to deliver things in two sprints, do we have time to do this? Do we have the technical skills? Do we really want to do this? And maybe, well, the answer is no. And I have to say, I did this as part of uh, when working as an external consultant, when presentations with the, deliver, the deliverables needed to have some flavor, and that was part of, of, um, of our selling point, right? We did this kind of artifacts. Now, it would be interesting, maybe probably this is just lying in, 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 a, drawer, in a drawer and no one has ever seen it, and there, there was no impact. Uh, but I'll explain because I, I, I still think that doing maybe not these things, but uh, adding, grabbing some of these things and adding them to or reports or presentations can really, can really help improve um, the, the, the presentation or, or the digestion of the information we, we present. Now, um, as I mentioned earlier, the, the, it's not the object of this talk to learn how to do infographics, but how to apply infographic elements into our presentations and our presentations We've seen today, especially with the with the presentation of that, that Naomi, the, the talk that Naomi uh, brought here today, it's still there's this basic format, which is the the report, right? And now, the context of the report uh, poses some challenges for uh, the for an infographic. So we had an infographic. It's a holistic thing. It's in one single space. The story unfolds in one page, right? Now, we have a presentations which is where the story unfolds in segmented slides. So how can we bring part of that holistic aspect or how do we keep a story coherent uh, in, in this kind of format? Right. The other thing I wanted to clarify is that, well, we all know quantitative, qualitative research, we've seen that um, graphs help uncover information amongst data. And the same way, um, infographic components can help uncover um, relationships between, uh, between the knowledge-based content, right? So we're going to be focused today, uh, we will focus on qualitative um, for two reasons. First, it's because it's what I have experience in and, and what I can talk about. 
But the other reason is that there is extensive literature on how to represent quantitative data, and there are rules for when to use one graph type or another. You can do a quick Google search and you will get the right information on, on that. Um, so the question here is more what components are most appropriate to the information type we, we present. Now, um, if we see, and I guess that we can all agree that any typical um, research uh, report has the, the following parts, right? We have objectives, we have process, we have methods, we have the sample recommendations and findings. They're in different order, but this is for uh, a presentation purpose. Uh, so not, not all of them have the same, again, infographicable degree. Um, and the visual presentations can, uh, can vary as well. Like some of them are highly standardized and some other presents a wide variety. Uh, bindings have a high infographical degree and there's a wide variety of ways of presenting them. And why? Because the form of whatever, of how, however we decide to, to present that depends on the information type. So it's always the information that dictates the, the, the form in this case. Right? So let's take a look, uh, a brief look at the highly standardized. And I hope you find some value here. Like even if I think that these are like um, poor, poor, like um, poorly infographicable, but for example, objectives, right? Wait, what's an objective? Um, yeah, well, the a clear verbal statement specifying the purpose that we're pursuing with our research. So objectives themselves are too brief to constitute any story and the most appropriate presentation is verbal. Is there, there is not much point in doing, trying to, to do something with them other than present them clearly. And for that we have typographical uh, typographic elements, right? bullet points to where maybe what we can do is apply um, a good um, font size to um, distinguish between what's some general objectives and what are specific objectives, but there's not really much we can, we can do um, here. So, but I would say that the principles of uh, editorial design or layout composition can help us do this information a bit more uh, e easy to see, uh, easy to read, and easy to scan as well. Now, process, right? Um, what is it? We have a set of successive um, phases of a phenomenon. And here is where we can start applying some uh, timelines or some, uh, we can start putting that, this information into a more visual way because in fact we have the variable of time. Now I have a disclaimer, a lot of, you'll see a lot of Spanish in this, um, yeah, don't worry about understanding exactly what those words say, it is the explanation of a process in some cases, next steps, which is a process but uh, for the future, um, but I think because um, we live in a visual culture, we share visual codes, you can understand this regardless of what the text is actually saying, and I guess that's a proof that um, this, uh, there are things that can be told through images and, and you can understand them the same even if you, or I don't know how many of you here speak Spanish. So, um, 
methods, right? Um, so methods are explanation of our data collection process. Similarly, is there a way, can an image add something to this, to the explanation of the method itself, or is variable the most adequate means to represent this? Um, and I think, yes, verbal is the way to do it. However, we can start here adding some elements that will give us a sense of progression. For example, if the, the, the order of the method um, that we applied is important, um, we can start adding pictures as well, um, in this case, um, to give uh, to bring uh, some reality to, to, to these slides and to show what the, the methods we've used and what activities we have done, we, we did to, for, for certain projects, we introduced pictures and this is illustration and text and numbers, but again, like this can add some visual interest to a slide that will otherwise be just text and that it would be boring to, to read or would be uh, not engaging. The sample, right, again, a subset of data here in qualitative research, it's usually our data, people, participants, um, and again, depends on the type of information, but here we have opportunities to start adding more uh, visual flavor to, to this slide. Um, in, this, in this example, um, what we did was adding photos, of course, to um, to make the, the research more, um, more relatable. Um, and we started using color to um, indicate the, the different socioeconomic and age, uh, brackets and age groups that the participants um, were in. We presented them with picture, name, and persona they, they uh, belong to. Um, now, here is where we can say, okay, the sample can get a bit more, we can add more of this infographics element because we have demographic, uh, in many cases we have demographic information which is numerical data, we can start adding some of these uh, information graphs to explain what the, 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 the sample, who we talk to in this, in this case. Right? So we can do something like this, but again, it all depends on the type of data that we have. I think that with this, uh, what, what I want to, I want you to um, walk you through as well as the thought process to define whether we do something more inf infographic-like or not. And recommendations, same. Right? It's can we do? Can words or can images explain better than words? What can images add to what could be recommendations or? solutions in, in these cases, right? Not much. So again, in this case, we chose to explain solutions through words, but to add something, more, more, to make the page more interested, we started to, we did some, some illustrations to, to illustrate them, right? Now, variety of representations, and as I said, the findings are uh, that part of the report where we can start applying more infographic elements. And so I, every time I have a finding or I, I've done my research, I've done my synthesis, I have always my, my first step is I have information written in a Word document, 
right? So, and then I start asking myself, right? Is the text the best way to, to convey to, uh, some information or not? Right? If it is the text, all good. We go with text. We'll apply some editorial design principles to make the layout interesting to, to see. Um, now, if it is not, right, and there is some, something here that can be told through images, what am I trying to do with this information? That's the first question. Am I trying to compare? Am I trying to describe? Am I trying to show changes in time? Am I trying to do something else? Huh? And once I have determined the purpose of what I want to do with that information, um, is there any established um, way to represent that? Or uh, can I uh, use any standard framework that everyone is familiar with to put that in, to give form to, to that information. And that is uh, the point I'm going to, to um, delve deeper into. But then there are other questions that, that came out. If there is a framework or is, um, does the information order matter? Um, are there different information groups um, and so on, subgroups that if there are, there's a p potential for color coding or for st start is to establish a code. Um, and what relationship can establish between the, the information? You know? And th those questions will help me start defining what, what to do. Now, let's go a bit deeper into, into this and, and um, the frameworks, right? And how to visualize the intentions. Now, again, think of frameworks. What can help me organize the information? What of my visual culture, right? Because regardless of uh, you having, uh, whether you have a background in design or not, we all participate in a culture that is visual and we are all familiar with what, what you're seeing and that is the, it's a common language, right? So I have what I've called simple frameworks and I have to, the, a disclaimer here, this is, um, a categorization I've done of, of work I've done in the past, trying to to classify and to find patterns in in what I've done, and I found that some of them are quite simple that I use very often. And but it is by no means exhausting because, again, it really depends on the information. So um, I have this. I have found that I use this very very often, right? When I want to do a comparison, I use tables, either two columns or multiple columns. When I want to show change in time, I use line graphs, relationships, the full quadrant graph, descriptions, arrows, right, an image in arrows. And to explain words relevance, I use word clouds. So let's see comparisons in two, two table columns. So um, comparisons is really useful to show uh, uh, before and after of, of something. In the first case here, um, you can see how um, the, the, the table is used to compare McDonald's employees before and after joining the company, right? So we had this project where we had to um, improve the customer experience, the, the McDonald's customer experience, and we went there, did our research, and found out that 
the customer experience was, was terrible because the experience of the employees was terrible. So there were these, um, these kids, right? This was a couple of years ago, um, that came all with their enthusiasm, their dreams, their hopes, and all of a sudden, they entered a company that forced them to adopt um, a standardization method, uh, a strong focus on production. Like they were uh, devoided of all, all of those tearful characteristics to become this sad McDonald's employees that asking you, do you want a happy meal? Right? Like and not being able to reading the, the person that they have. I mean, the person has no kids. Like what do they really want a happy meal? So. Um, we started. We started using okay before and after to to show okay this is these are the characteristics of this person. He's super happy, and all of a sudden he becomes a very sad McDonald's employee who has to repeat, repeat, repeat what the manual uh, says. And the comparison between two columns are also good. Good um, or the before and after is good to show uh, a before and after of a product after validation with users, but it's also good to show pros and cons if we have to, um, yeah, to, we have collected pros and cons of a product, like we can, we can show that. Um, so in this case, what we showed is how the packaging had evolved after validating the concepts of the drinks with, with users and how we had co-designed the packaging with, with them. Now we have tables. Tables are useful ways to organize sets of data and they allow comparing uh, that data and, and drawing conclusions according to the reading order. Right. So in the first case, the table shows the beverage that consumers uh, with a specific need state drink and the reasons for their consumption. Now you can see there that we added icons um, to show each one of these drinks. Now, because these drinks, the, the icons were so, um, had so many elements of the actual drink, we didn't need to specify what those icons were. Now, this worked in an Argentinian context. They were able to say, yeah, well, that is a Fernet Branca bottle, uh, that is a wine bottle, that is a mate, that, but in, it's always recommended to, um, clarify what the icons means because there is uh, this depend highly on 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 the cultural conditions or reading conditions right um, so and in this um, second table we we show how different stages uh, this is a communication strategy displayed in a table um, this communication strategy aimed at generating awareness of, of a disease and a product to, to treat it. And what we did is that we organized the objective, the messages, and the recipients of each phase uh, based on specific moments of, of the disease, right? Or on the, the, the symptoms, the diagnosis, and, and the treatment. And if you can see, like the very the last row also shows the recipients, and we had um, the we we try to show how um, the communication should be directed to more to generalist um, doctors at the beginning and less to specialist. And as time goes by, that relationship between the recipient changed. So. Um, 
changing time, right? Like going back to this sad McDonald's employee, how can we explain in a funny way uh, a terrible reality, which is that these kids are becoming robots, right? Like they are changing in time and they feel, they're literally feeling diminished. So we did this, which is, it's a line graph, right? It shows the change of an element, this case the employee, over time. And so we said like, well, so we have this person who enters, like he's a hero, he's going, he's got his first job at McDonald's and to become a reduced things that, again, like um, product, like working on like the machines, depending on the area they work, but even if they're working on customer service, they have to get all these, um, productive, uh, their productive brain on and their efficiency brain on and they're under surveillance and they have to leave their personality uh, behind the moment they, they cross, they enter the, their shift and they, so um, this was a way to explain, I know it's, there's a metaphor operating here as well, right, which is something that um, it's another, it's another thing because Content-based no, um, knowledge allows us to think of metaphors, and if we can include that, something can be better understood if we see it under the light of a metaphor. So these metaphors served us to prove our point, right? And to be honest, what's the data here, right? What what can we say? There's no real data, but we could really see, and because we what we have me and my and and my colleague who were working on this project actually worked at McDonald's that by the fifth day we thought that that was a terrible job and we really felt like that last um, image um, we said like this is really this is the emotion of, of a person uh, what they're going through so this was a powerful way of communicating it um, with with some humor as well because yeah it was it was not nice um, then, if we have to show relationship between information, the four quadrant graph, I've seen examples of this in the presentations, and I could notice how the audience all of a sudden like got really engaged with what they were seeing, but because they they really good to to yeah to showing how where uh, a, a certain phenomenon is is located with respect to two coordinate pairs, right? And here, it's they are so diagram they they're so schematized, right, that it helps understand something that can be complex. And so maybe it is reductive to think something in these terms, but it can be very, very powerful. So in the first case, we, we show when and how two different age groups consume alcoholic beverages. So there is there was a weekly consumption and a weekend consumption, but and the, the consumptions could be also individual or grouple. And again, we have the colors here showing different age brackets, and we could immediately see that there is uh, how the, the consumption of um, in, the, um, in the weekend, the grouple is common for, for these two age groups, which is also showing that there can be an area of opportunity for that, uh, for that moment uh, we, uh, of the of time, right, and that um, and that way of con of consumption. In the other one, what we are showing is that the 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 graph is helping us to see the niche in which a new drink concept can operate. Right. So this is this was for uh, the concept uh, of a new 
drink, and we knew that um, there were uh, soft drinks occupying the space of uh, something that a drink that has flavor, but that it's not healthy, and we have water occupying the space of a healthy drink but non flavor and this concept that was a healthy drink but with flavor had some 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 space so you can see that showing this graph like we have the words and the words are providing context to 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 the graph but the graph itself is helping visualizing the market potential and the niche for for these drinks um, then we have arrows right which is Okay, very basic thing of, um, yeah, just we have an illustration, we have attributes, we could have listed the attributes of that, uh, of that, of that new concept of a drink, just, just a list and uh, bullet points and yeah, th this is how the packaging should look like to appeal its audience, but we had co-designed that packaging with, um, with potential customers, so we decided, okay, let's, Put it. Let, let's put it in the slide. Let's and let's indicate what attributes. Let, let's put those must-have um, directly correlated to the the image of of the drink. Uh, as part of the same project, we had this uh, potential consumer. We had a persona. We knew what the the, the features and the characteristics of this uh, of this person. Well, so we, we added this character that, by the way, repeated in different slides to, to help tell the story. Um, and we had, uh, we associated each one of, of the, the, these persona features to elements that, uh, that accompany them in, in the journey across the, the different slides that we had. So we know that they, they, they care about the money uh, and they are smart buyers, so we put a wallet there and well, they're healthy people, so you can see the grocery, um, the grocery bag full of healthy, healthy stuff. Um, so yeah, th this kind of things can, can make uh, a presentation more of a, of a story and something more interesting to, to tell. And yeah, the work cloud. Um, yeah, they, sometimes the kind of information that we need to to present is uh, is variable. So I have used word clouds to list connotations associated to, in the first case, this new concept uh, of drink. We, we we also had to test different names. So this was um, a potential name, and what what associations it uh, aroused in the aroused in the in the minds of, of the customers. And in, in the second one, yeah, we had like connotations of what we call a territory for ideation that was highly productive to ideate new, new ideas. Um, so these are some of what I have called simple frameworks, like resources that are at hands of, of everyone and that can help to make a presentation a bit more visual and more easier to digest. Um, now, there are more complex frameworks, and I'm adding the calendar. I know everyone knows what a calendar is, but it's incredibly productive to show information as well. And we have the double diamond, and then I put others because they aren't really uh, they really depend, again, on the information we wanted to present, and we'll, we'll see them once we get there. But then, um, let's see, so the calendar, um, again, like, we are all familiar. It's a double entry table 
with days and hours, and it helped us um, describing uh, the, the, a week in the lives of, of two different consumer segments, right? So we're, uh, we're still using the codes you've seen these colors before. Um, so icons were used here to represent the alcoholic and non-alcoholic drinks, and we use also icons to represent the, the activities. So you can imagine that if we had had to write how the wigs of these consumer segments was in, um, in, in a report, it could have been a lot of information, and who would have wanted to read that? So this way made it, it was an easier way for us to to present, to have a snapshot of what the, the lives, and also to compare the differences between the two. When putting one next to another, you can see, you can start seeing the differences in that, uh, in that information. And if you have to um, do that just by reading text, it might take longer. Um, so the double diamond, right, or design process, um, it can, it's a good framework to explain how we went in the first case from problems to solutions. Right? Um, in this case, it was a good way of summarizing the activities and how we went from the what we call the not so good moments, which were bad moments, to pain points, to problem areas, and how those problem areas became um, opportunities, and how we got ideas from those opportunities that we uh, uh, that, that derived in solutions. So in this case, it was not only the double diamond communicating that process, um, how that process went, but also we tried to give an idea of uh, the, uh, how the, the amount of information in each one was um, reduced and then amplified depending on, on the moment of the, of the process that we were in. And here you can see, I'm going to say something here. Like you can see that the first number is 175, the second is 40 in, in the circles, and the uh, third is 7. And we tried, of course, that if you think, well, the scale is wrong, right? Because if we had to represent, let's say, the diameter of that circle represented the 175 uh, not so good moments, it would be like massive. And, but Sometimes, because again, the context doesn't allow to represent this in the right scale, we had to um, like leave aside some of that um, ex like preciseness that, uh, and go for the impact. Um, in the second uh, example, we, we use this to uh, explain the process to explain the process of an ideation workshop uh, to to stakeholders. Yeah, how are we doing with time? I think we're almost two minutes. All right. Yeah. So I'm gonna jump off this. So things to consider, right? Um, when you are working on a presentation, uh, all attributes of graphic elements communicate something, right? So think of spatial attributes, shape size, orientation, position, uh, they are saying something. So think of those when you're trying to convey your message. Think of filling attributes as well. Color, texture, and value also can be elements you can use to deliver your, your message. Um, now, 
prioritize communicative impact over accuracy, right? Visualization aims to facilitate understanding of the information and exact representation is less critical. Again, go for impact because you're not actually dealing with numbers here, right? So no need to be that precise. Uh, use color intentionally and be mindful of established color associations. Be mindful if you're going to go um, red has usually is used to represent negative things. Green is usually good. So if you're going for paint with for red, good opportunities in green, good. But then uh, be mindful. Be mindful of those of those uh, associations and define what's important to say through color, right? Because you don't want to put a lot of colors and have your presentation uh, looking like a circus. You want to use uh, color purposefully. Um, now make the presentation structure visually explicit. That will help the readers orientate themselves, know where they are. Um, have clear indexes for sections, types of sections. I know that this, this may be like a rule of thumb, but it's good to, to remind it. Um, yeah, let readers know where they are putting numbers, uh, assign different colors to, to different sections to, um, to make it easier to, uh, to understand where, where they are. And now, the presentation can be more understandable by linking elements in, on different slides. So assign the same template slide for the similar role in the, in the structure, right? If we have information of a certain type, something is a cover, should look like a cover. Something is a um, a finding, it should look like a finding. Um, and maintain the color coding consistent throughout the presentation, right? Here in this example of the, the calendar, you can see how we, we keep consistent, like we have one age group, we have a second age group, and we keep that the same along the presentation so that um, we establish our own language within the, the presentation, right? And yeah, when it comes to template use, these are miniatures, but just by looking at the miniatures, you can tell that you can group them in different in different sets. So someone who has to read a 60-page uh, report may be able to say, okay, well, at least I have an idea of what it looks like. So uh, last thing, download resources, use them. You don't need technical skills to create infographics, but you do need to know what to use and when. You need more semiotic knowledge Again, if you think, if you have ever played Pictionary and represented an idea through images, it's something that you, you can adventure into this world. So thank you uh, very much. <laughs>